today's message. Today's message, it will, it will be rather short. I'm just going to pre-warn you, and I know that no one here is going to complain about that, but um, I, I, this was on my heart from um, the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been making our way through, and I, I got to the end, and I thought, I'm, I'm where I want to land this. I don't need to drag it out anymore, and so this morning, I just want you to focus, because I'm only going to be up here for a, a shortish time. We're doing the Sermon on the Mount, as I said, in Matthew, it's chapters 5 to 7. And when you read this sermon, you get a picture of a God who is telling us, his followers, what life looks like for a citizen of the kingdom, for a follower of Jesus. This is a great picture of what it looks like. And it goes deeper into what the heart of a follower is which I believe is what the Sermon on the Mount is about. You can read the sermon and think it sounds like a big list of do's and don'ts, but if you do that, you're missing something very important. This sermon is really about a life that's reborn and transformed through a relationship with Jesus. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, that's what should be coming off the pages. It can read like a list of do's and don'ts. You know, it does cover a lot of topics like money and and power and and leadership and obedience, marriage and divorce and prayer and and judging others and fasting and and worry and sexuality and justice and mercy and anger and priorities and, and discipleship and sin and wisdom and there's much more in there. So it's easy to see this as a list of do's and don'ts, but if you... If that's how you read it, I'm just going to say, I think you're reading it wrong. That's probably how the Pharisees may have read something like this sermon. And interestingly, Jesus says in um, chapter 5, verse 20, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you find that kind of just a little... Confusing, given that they were the ones that were always in trouble from Jesus, weren't they? On the one hand, Jesus is telling them off for binding people up with their rules and their lack of grace. And on the other hand, Jesus is saying, your righteousness literally has to be better than those guys to make it into God's kingdom. It's kind of confusing. And doesn't that contradict Paul's teaching that we are saved by grace alone, not by works? And if it does, we're in trouble because then Jesus says in verse 29, if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, is it just me? or Does that kind of sound more like a, a Pharisee? And the, the Jesus that we know, who really knew how to love people, it seems like a contradiction, but it's not. The kingdom is not one or the other. It's not grace and love on one hand and not obedience and, and, and righteous on the other. It seems like a contradiction, but it's not. And the problem seems to be that the Christian church sometimes, you know, we have a bit of a divide along these lines. 
One group, they claim exclusive rights to the compassionate, grace-filled kingdom. The other group, they seem to be all about obedience and, and, being, and having high morals and, and having the right living kind of life. When in reality, the two aren't at war with each other. They work beautifully together. When we realize that a life of righteousness is a call to obedience and right living that has grace and love at its very core, because that's what Jesus poured into us. When we realize that, that's when we start to get it. And just to make this point, right in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount, over three chapters, filled with commands about right living, Jesus says this, do to others whatever you would have them do to you because this is their essence. Of all that is taught in the law and the prophets, that's the foundation. That underlines it all. Of all the teachings. An obedient and righteous life is centered around a spirit-empowered love for others. That bit. Without that love for others, without the grace, without the forgiveness and the empathy and the willingness to embrace, like we say here in our, in our list of mission statements, the willingness to embrace all people without those things, we're not obedient and we're not righteous like Jesus calls us to be. And that's what the Pharisees were missing. And maybe sometimes so are we. Without those things, there is no change in here. It's just what we do and say, and that's not Christianity. This sermon is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a beautiful picture of holiness. I think um, Pastor Steve told me that he had a quote last week from John Wesley that said, a sermon on the mount is a picture of human flourishing. Is that what it was? Holiness, as in holistic. In other words, everything is transformed. Not just our outward actions, but our very being in the deepest places of our heart. This is the inworking and the outworking of a life made new through power and, sanctif- and the sanctification that the Holy Spirit brings. What we're reading about here is a heart that is all in for Jesus and therefore all in for people. You know, that's righteousness right there. Our words, actions, and thoughts change everything. Everything, including our morals, our integrity, our relationships, everything changes, and we're more and more like Jesus all the time. And so with that in mind, today our focus is on two parts of this scripture. First thing is uh, verses 13 and 14 from chapter 7. Here's what Jesus said. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And sadly, only a few ever find it. And can I add, you know, it's our job to help as many people as possible to find it. That's the, the mission of the church, by the way. That's what we're about, is helping people find that narrow way through that gate of life. It's a sermon for another day, but church, the narrow gate and the difficult road is not about following rules. I repeat, the narrow road is not about following rules. The narrow road is about who you are, not what you do. That's my point, first point for today. 
about who you are in Jesus and not what you do. When you read the Sermon on the Mount slowly and carefully, you don't just find a person with good morals who goes to church and reads the Bible sometimes and says they're a Christian. What I read when I read the Sermon on the Mount is a a true citizen of the kingdom whose heart's desire is to please Jesus and love him with all his heart, soul, mind and strength and to love others in that same way. The Sermon from Jesus is about who you are, not what you do. You know, I need you to know something. The message sometimes I received in my younger years from the church, not not necessarily this church, but from the the church in general, leaned way too hard on me, just always about doing the right thing. Be good. Do the right thing. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't swear. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Go to church twice if you can. Save yourself for marriage and much, much more. All good things, by the way. But the problem is those things aren't the gospel. I found myself tying myself up in condemnation and guilt because even though I felt like I did a pretty good job of those things, inevitably I would fail and I'd think that narrow road, it's too hard. It's too hard for me. I can't do it. What I didn't realise, and maybe, maybe I was told this, but I missed it, was that all those things came from a God who loved me and my love for him in return. It was that loving relationship with Jesus. Those things were an outcome of my walk with him. That's where I had to start. It's with him. The direction I desperately needed was to know Jesus and be in that abiding relationship with the one who loves me and he knows me better than I know myself. And yet he still loves me. Despite those things, it was my relationship with him that was the most important thing, that abiding love. His agape love for me, my identity and secured place as a child of God is what I needed to know and understand first. That's where we need to start. All those things I thought I had to do that I thought the Sermon on the Mount was telling me to do, those things ultimately come from Jesus for what Jesus has already done for me, the the freedom that he's given me to do those things, the, the way he's made that possible and my love for him. What picked me up and put me on that narrow path was when I finally realized it really is about a God who loved me and just wanted me to love him back and to fully trust him with everything. And I mean everything. It's a God who loved me and he just wanted me to love him back. Therefore, I declare I am a child of God and no person or thing will take that away from me. I love God. And I will go and I will do and I will be all for him. And so the Sermon on the Mount makes sense to me now. It's not a list of rules for me. This is, this is who I am. The narrow road is hard, but it's me. And it's us more and more each day. The narrow road is not something I'm striving to stay on. It's, it's who I am. Do you hear what I'm saying? I know that highway is always going to be tempting. 
And it just seems to be constant on-ramps to it from my little narrow road. They keep coming up. Get off here. But as I walk with Jesus, they're less and less because he's where I belong. I belong on that difficult, bumpy, scenic, narrow road. That's my road. And I want to be here. I'm on it with Jesus and I want to be on it with all of you. And I believe I am. You might be thinking, that sounds good, Pastor. But I'm on the highway and I don't know how to get off. How do I get over to that country road? How do I get off the highway and get onto the road that leads to the gateway of life, as Jesus puts it? Well, let me just be clear about something. You don't get over there just by being good. Just by doing all the right things that even Jesus talks about. Let me show you something in verse 7 to 8 here. This is what Jesus says. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Now, hang on a second. Isn't this a prayer? Isn't this a, a scripture about how we should pray for things? You know, it is. I think it's a scripture about how we should seek after God more. Let me show you. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So the narrow road that leads to life is found in seeking Jesus above all else. It's our all-in, all-or-nothing life for him. The promise from Jesus here is that if you sincerely seek him, you will find him. If you sincerely seek a deep and faithful life with Jesus, he will open the door to that. It's what he wants. He wants that relationship. He wants you. Church, if you don't believe that, it's in the words behind me. He wants you, all of you. And it's why he came at Christmas time about 2,000 years ago and then died 34 years later at Easter for you and for me. And so while the gateway is found in your love for Jesus and your trust in him, you need to know the gateway is open to you because he loved you first. That scripture goes on to say, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... Well, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, in John it says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. In other words, Jesus wants you to ask him. Just ask. To seek him. To knock on the door to his gateway to life. The gateway to life and eternity is Jesus himself. And he wants every single one of you to know him and to love him and to live for him. He wants you off the wide road and that according to Jesus, it's a road to you know where, hell. The word says it. I don't want to have to say it, but it's in there. It's the truth. 
He wants you off that road and onto that narrow, ultimately difficult, ultimately windy, with lots of ups and lots of downs and bits of dirt and potholes and corners that are hard to negotiate at high speed. He wants you on that road. It's the road to life and eternity. You know, today is a simple call for you to respond to the words of Jesus and seek him by repenting of all you have ever done against him and others and asking him to forgive you of those things and for him to be your Lord and Saviour. And by Saviour, I mean he is saving you from the consequences of all the wrong things you've done against him and against others and from an eternity without God. That's what he's saving us from. And he's saving us from the power of sin that entraps us and gives us the freedom to be done with it on the narrow road. And by Lord, I mean that you put your faith in Jesus, that he is the one, and you believe that he is the one who, who, that he said he is. He is God. That he died on the cross on your behalf for your sin and that he rose again having defeated that sin and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. By Lord, I mean he is above you and you surrender all of yourself to him and he's now in control. He's your king. Sometimes I feel like this is missing in the church. We talk about Jesus as our saviour, but he is also our Lord. That means we submit to him willingly, knowing that he loves us and wants the best for us. I won't tell you it's easy. I won't tell you that nothing has to change. Everything has to change. But Jesus says he came to give life and life to the full. It is worth it. It's a life filled with meaning and purpose and it's filled with hope. It's a life where God walks with you and talks with you. It's a life with thousands of years of tradition behind it and that billions of people have discovered and experienced to be real and true. It's the way back to how God originally planned it to be at the beginning with him in the Garden of Eden when he said, when he created us, And we didn't have sin in the world. And he created us so that we would be in relationship with him. And then it got destroyed. And now he's calling us back. And he's made the way. We're making our way back to that Garden of Eden, church. And it happens and it starts now. Redemption, restoration, it happens now. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. That's his call to us today. I know the narrow road doesn't feel appealing to us because the world makes that highway very wide. And there's a lot of lanes. And it's fast and it's easy. When we drove down to Canberra last year, it's two lanes and leave a whole way from Brisbane now. You can get there quick without even thinking. Now you've got to think a little bit, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Go down the inland road, it's twisty, it's windy, it's up and down, you've got to overtake trucks, it's really difficult. 
God's calling us to that road because that's where he is and that's who we are. We're in that place. We're on that road. And it leads to the promised land. And it's not Canberra. (laughs) It's Jesus. (laughs) I want to just ask you this morning. Would you commit to God, to, to loving Jesus like he loves you? Would you do that? If you've never done that before, I'm going to give you the opportunity today. Say, I'm going to get off the next exit and get onto that narrow road, and that will be my life. Go through that gateway that he talks about. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to do that. Secondly, if you're on that road, I just want to remind you as a church that we are committed to helping people get off the highway onto the narrow road. And I want to encourage you this morning to pray about who it is that you can share the good news of Jesus with this week. Because we know where the broad road is going. Would you pray with me? Can I have all the eyes closed in the church, please, and your heads bowed? Let me ask you a question. If you've never committed to Jesus before and this morning you want to ask, seek, and knock, you would like to give your life over to him and ask him to be your saviour and your Lord, I invite you to raise a hand so that I can see you. It'll be just me. And if this morning you will commit this week to at the very least praying for God to give you an opportunity to help somebody to know Jesus better or to just love them more or if you'll commit to avoiding the off-ramps and stay on that narrow road, can you just raise a hand for me? Thank you. So Lord, we stand before you, we sit before you as, as your, your followers. We're committing to the difficult road, but it's the best road, Lord. It's who we are. As children of God, that's us. That's our identity. We don't need the labels the world puts on us. Children of God, loved by you, ready to serve, ready to follow. So this morning, Lord, we, we ask for more of you. We ask, Holy Spirit, come. You said that you want to give the Holy Spirit more of the Holy Spirit to us. So we ask, because you're a good father. We seek more of you. We seek more of you in our, in, our, in our everyday life. We seek your presence, Lord, not just here on a Sunday morning, but 
for seven days a week. We seek you, Lord, in the areas of life, God, that we are struggling. The temptations, the things, Lord, that don't please you. We seek you, God, in those areas. And Lord, we're knocking on that door and we're asking God for you to, uh, to bring breakthrough in the life of this church and in, in our own personal lives as well. God, your sermon that you preached to, I don't know, however many on the side of a mountain, it's not a list of do's and don'ts, it's who we are as children of God. And God, we, we want to live for you every day, every moment of every day. We want to be in that relationship with you, God, like you wanted us to be from the very beginning. God, help us to get there. Help us to overcome where we need to overcome. We need you, God. We need you. I thank you, Lord, that you made a way. I thank you, Lord, that you would die for us so that we could be in that relationship with you. We thank you that we have your righteousness now. And as we just stand here, as we just sit here in the stillness, I just invite you, church, just to, um, to be in the presence of the Lord. He is here. He is here. He's here surrounding you with love. He's here surrounding you with, with his peace. He's showing you mercy after mercy after mercy. He's calling you to know what it means to really love others like he loves you. Thank you, Lord. We just praise your name. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our praise, Lord. You are worthy of our praise.